you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Man, you guys look fantastic. I heard all of you singing. You sound even better than you look, and that's awesome. And I got to tell you, last night I was up for hours, actually, when I should have been asleep, and my heart was grieved, uh, legitimately grieved because of what's happening in our nation right now. There's so much tension and unrest, so much racial anxiety right now. And we just decided we have to take a moment and talk about it at church. I think Martin Luther King Jr. made the statement, and I may butcher this, but he says, our lives begin to end when we become silent about things that matter most. And here's the challenge. The challenge is for each of us with the different blueprints of our lives to try to assess blame or to figure out exactly what the problem is and pinpoint that. And the truth is, this is a multifaceted, very complex situation, and you and I do not know all the details. And truthfully, All the details don't matter. What is evident is America needs help. And here's the great thing. There's a great resource for America, and his name is Jesus. And our job is a few, it's a few things. Because some of us in this room might be angry. Or maybe if you're like me, you feel the tension and the grief. And so what do we do with that? Well, number one, I think we need to look internally and say, man, is there areas or pockets of racism in me? This isn't a white thing, a black thing, or a police thing. This is bigger than that. So we need to look internally and go, okay, there's some things that I need to adjust. And secondly, we need to target and we need to point whatever feelings and frustrations we have not to be reactive, but to be proactive. And to actually be part of the solution, not to go and speak words that are unfruitful, but to say, hey, I'm going to bring the love of who Jesus is. And, and thirdly, this is most important, we need to pray. You know, sometimes we use that as a last resort, and it's not the last resort, it's the greatest resort. It's the greatest resort. In fact, in Malachi, the scripture said, I don't just want religion from you, I want your heart. I want you to be a practical impact. And so my challenge to you is you look internally, that you're proactive with your life, that every ounce of who you are exemplifies the love of who Jesus is. And that's grace, mercy, forgiveness, and hope. And then thirdly, we need to pray, believing that God's going to do something miraculous in our nation. Hey, let me just challenge you. Don't be too quick to react or to assess blame. But say, Jesus, how can I be a part of the solution? I just want to pray real quickly, and we'll dive in. And would you just join me? And, and by that, I mean, would you just extend your faith? Just kind of agree with me in your heart that, that God's going to do something miraculous in our nation. Would you do that? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you are an amazing God. And God, we are facing a very difficult season in our nation. God, we are facing tension and grief and loss. And God, in the darkest time of our nation where people are dividing and things are splitting apart, This is the church's finest hour. This is your finest hour where you can bring hope and bring people together. So God, our prayer is not that you would fix people, but God, that you would work in us as individuals, that we can be a part of the solution. 
and not just contribute to the problem. But God, we just pray that you'd heal our land in a powerful and a miraculous way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's be part of the solution. I, I literally, I was up to about 2.30 last night, just grieved. And we gotta, we gotta be a part of the solution for this. You know, we're, it's, it's interesting that we're in this series called Wonder Life. And uh, we're, we're right now in week two as we dive into what God wants to do in our lives. Uh, through an amazing workbook slash curriculum that we're going through. Hallelujah. That we're going through as small groups as well. And, and uh, if you were not here last week, you definitely want to get the podcast. If you have not jumped into a connect group, this is the perfect week to do so. We have small groups meeting throughout the city, throughout the region rather, at different times of the week, different times of the day. And you need to be a part of this. In fact, last week was just a prequel. They really start this week. It's going to get good. And if you haven't picked up a Wonder Life workbook, if you haven't signed up for one of these, you can do so as you leave today, as we're exploring a not-so-perfect guide to why I'm here and what I'm called to do. Right. And uh, last week, we just kind of unpacked some of the big pieces of this. So that the idea behind this is that life is both brutal and beautiful. I, I heard one person call it brutiful. Can anyone relate to that with a show of hands, right? Four of you. The rest of you are liars. But... Uh, and really, this is unpacking two questions. Who am I and why am I here? But let me just kind of pause because sometimes if you're new to church or you're kind of exploring this faith, you have permission not to believe. But I just know for me, I'm, I, my default is I'm a cynic. And so what this isn't, it, this is not some hyperbole or some like over-the-top self-help guy that the moment you read this book or get with a couple people in a connect group, all of life's problems will be solved. <laughs> That's ridiculous. This really is a journey to discover God's truth and purpose for you and for me. Yeah. And, uh, and we're doing this through the course of four life marks. We're unpacking four life marks of, of, uh, of what God wants to do and say in our life. And, and the author of this book, Mike Foster, kind of unpacked these four kind of key components that you and I have got to grasp and understand if we're going to begin to discover God's purpose for us. And life mark number one is simply this. I believe my story matters. I believe my story matters. I want to read a passage of scripture. It's, it's quite interesting. It's uh, John 20, verses 19 through 21. This is how it reads. On the evening of that day, this is Easter Sunday, actually, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Before we dive in anymore, can I just pray again just to kind of get us focused on what God wants to do now in our lives today? Let's do that. God, we thank you that you're here in this place. We thank you that you already started to move in our life. And, and God, I just pray that you'd speak to us in a real and a powerful way that we wouldn't forget or take for granted where we're at, but we'd recognize, God, that you want to do something powerful in our life today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, what, what? what? Yeah, so good, so good. Um, how many of you grew up and had friends in your life? Would you just raise your hand for a moment? <laughs> the rest of you who don't have your hands up, I want to be your friend, okay? 
So after church, let's swap info. We'll go grab some coffee. But uh, one of my closest friends actually just recently moved here uh, a little over a year ago. I've known him since we were four years of age. That's a long time, um, considering that I'm 21. And so um, we've known each other since I was four. We were both four years old. And He's been an, a very significant part of my life. And every weekend, I would go to his house or vice versa. I usually would try to go to his house because his mom bought all the junk food and let us do whatever we want. And my parents were like, no, you're eating wheat. Yeah. Just wheat, nothing else, just wheat. Like, that's it. And uh, watching Christian cartoons, and that was horrible. So um, anyway, so I always go to his house. It was an amazing time. And, and I'll never forget, one day I got up, I, would ri- I literally rode my mongoose BMX. Anybody in here know what a mongoose? Yeah, come on now. My mongoose BMX across like seven major roads, four miles away at the ripe age of eight, probably. That's back in the day, right? Now you don't let your kids like leave the front of your house without knowing where they are with a shock collar on. No, I'm kidding. So anyways, I get to his house and as I open the door, I go, hey, and he goes, come on, we're in the back. And as I walk through the home to get to his house, I see him and his cousin, whom I did not like at all, named Brett, bolt out the door down to the creek in the back, okay? And I'm like immediately feeling like I'm left out. Can you identify this picture? So I chase after them down this hill. I mean, in those days, it was like a jungle there. There was probably boa constrictors and, you know, leopards and panthers in the suburban suburban area of Dallas. And so I'm running down this creek, and all of a sudden I hear this whack, whack, whack. I'm like, what is that? And I'm running past a tree, and I hear this whack, and this little piece of paint splatters on my face. And it's in this moment that I realize that not only did my best friend in the whole world and his cousin, whom I did not like, and I would choose the word hate, but I don't think the Lord would like that, not only did they run away from me, but they're now shooting paintball at me. Yeah, thank you. And I just squatted behind a tree, and I, I got crocodile tears in my eyes. And then I ran back to my bike and I rode my bike home. It was a horrible day. Like there's no sweet outcome to this <laughs> except for that he is my best friend and and we yeah, he still is. But you know what was interesting about this moment? There really is. I mean, he really is my best friend now and I was 8 and I've gotten over that, but <laughs> kind of as I crouched down behind that tree, this is a true story. 7 and a half, 8 years old. This idea, the concept that I wasn't chosen swept over me, like legitimately. Like he chose his cousin to run and shoot paintballs at me instead of vice versa. And you know what's interesting? That actually became a pillar in my life for a while. This idea that I had to hustle for my worth. And I think that if if you guys were honest as well, that you could explore a story from your childhood perhaps, where something like that happened and that plays on the, the, the DVR of your mind on a continual basis, like a feed that you can't necessarily te- seem to shut off. And it's interesting how portions of our story have actually crept into the very facets of who we are as an individual. I mean, literally, I can remember in that moment feeling like I wasn't good enough. Interesting, right? Now, literally, he is one of my greatest friends to this day. And I think I worked through it. Wonder Life is helping me work through it. But I want to read a passage from this book that I think is just so profound. It isn't the answer, but it helps us discover the answer for us. And 
It's a passage, and it's part of this in, on page 35, and, and this is what Mike Foster writes. He says, Unfortunately, we live in a time where attention and the number of likes and how many people follow us seem to be the only thing that matters. If enough ears tune in, we assume we are now worth listening to. If enough eyeballs pay attention, we believe we have value. But what happens if nobody cares? We feel like nobodies. A lot of us have made the common mistake of confusing being admired with being adored. It's amazing how our past really does have a profound effect on our life. And it's amazing how our past, the good and the bad, and, and even I dare say the ugly, actually have a profound effect on how we view our own story. And that's why life mark number one is I believe my story matters. What's great is I love what the scripture has to say for you and for me. Every time we feel or begin to believe the lies that we may either tell ourselves or the enemy whispers in our ears, we should always return to the scripture and see what the scripture says. Psalm 139, 14 says this, and we're a church that believes that the Bible isn't just a great book, but God's word for us today. And if you're here, you're wavering, you have permission not to believe. But listen to what this says. It says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And I love this last part, my soul knows it very well. I wonder if the author may have been struggling and he wrote that to remind himself. Like sometimes I don't want to believe this, but I know this full well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearfully really means like honor, honor and respect. With honor and respect, you were made. You didn't come into this world just by accident. You were created. And wonderfully means unique. Not the weird kind of unique that you talk about people, but like a good kind of unique. <laughs> That's unique. No, but the great kind. Wonderfully. Wonderfully. So, you, you know, sometimes we don't realize this, but what makes us smile? What makes us cry? What makes us laugh? What makes our heart beat fast? That's all in, internal and in, in, in designed by God. I love this. We read this last week, but I could read this every day. It's one of my favorite verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And we talked about this last week, but it never hurts to repeat this. Every part of my story makes me who I am, even the messy parts. And I wonder if I could sit down with each of you over coffee and just ask some real questions. If you might be able to pinpoint a portion of your story like mine where you may have felt your value or were devalued perhaps. Uh, this next slide, I think, is kind of fun. Um, it's this kind of motion graphic that asks you to put a price on your story. What's, which one of these would you circle? If you were to, to charge for your story a couple bucks, at least 20, some pocket change, six figures, baby, right? And then I like this, this last thing that says, my story is priceless. But I wonder if many of us might choose some pocket change. I wonder if many of us would look at our life and, and, and not believe that my story matters perhaps because I discount it because of my past. Can I just get a show of hands? Anybody have some decisions you made in the past that you regret? Can we just thank you? Doesn't it feel good to say that in church? Yeah. Hey, me too. Yeah. Me too. And sometimes we discount our story because of our past or we disqualify ourselves from being used by God because of our past. 
And I just thought about this as I was praying for us, not you. We're, we're not here to drop bombs of, the, of wisdom on you, but we're going through this journey together. And this is one of the things I, I was just praying for you. And this is that to stop allowing your past to produce a darkness in your soul and allow God to illuminate purpose in you. Sometimes that past begins to create this darkness that grows, but the great thing is that your story matters and God wants to do something profound through the very thing that you feel disqualifies you. You ever heard the, uh, the uh, old cliche? I'm not a huge fan of cliches, but when life gives you lemons, what do you do? If you, I don't encourage you to do this because this gets really dangerous, but I just Googled that, and there are a ton of memes that pop up. By the way, a meme is spelled M-E-M-E. It's not meme. It's called a meme. And these are images that are on the Internet, also components called social media. Instagram, Facebook, and for some of you creepers, MySpace, okay? <laughs> and they're like pictures with words on it. So here's some memes in relation to, uh, to lemonade. When life gives you lemonade, make lemons. And life would be like, what? Anybody ever feel like Phil Dumphy? Anybody in here? I always feel like that guy. I love this next one. Check this out. Give lemons to life, Chuck Norris, baby. That's hairy. He is so hairy. All right, this next one's my favorite. Check this one out. When life gives you lemons, make lemons, make lemons, make lemons, make lemons, make lemonade. False. Unless life also supplies water, the creation of lemonade is rendered impossible. I know that's pretty good. How many of you are thinking that very thing? Yeah, okay. Cynics as well. Uh, I don't, again, I don't encourage you to, uh, to, look, to Google that. I had to actually change some of the words of some of those. So uh, moving on. But hey, listen, here's the truth. That there's, there's fragments of our stories that are actually lodged in our heart. Fragments of our story. You don't get to change. In fact, check this out. You don't get to choose whether or not your past impacts you, but you do get to choose how you embrace your past. Life mark number one, I believe my story matters. But listen, nobody gets a hall pass on crisis or drama or rejection. You don't get to go through life and say, no, no, I'm actually not going to ever have crisis in my life. You don't get to choose that. You don't get to choose, no, I don't want any drama. Now, you can remove yourself from friends who just breed drama. Anybody ever met that person? Raise your hand right now. If you don't have your hand up, we're praying for you. You're it. You're it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You don't get to choose how your past impacts you, but you get to choose how you embrace your past. Check this scripture out. I love this. Jesus always has this, this like, a way of kind of giving us some nuggets to let us know we're going to be all right. This passage of scripture is found in John chapter 16, verse 33. It says this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. So listen, hey, go back to that scripture for me. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Listen, so many of us in life are searching for peace. We are. We're searching for peace by adding more money to our life because we feel like we have more money, we'll have more security, more flexibility. Or so many of us are searching for peace in the right type of relationship. That's why you're still single because you're waiting for the right one who's going to bring peace. Or maybe you're you're just like, man, I'm done with that or I can't, I don't know how to handle this. But we're also, sometimes we're searching for peace in and through the lives of our children. We're living vicariously through them as if that's going to bring us peace that they get to go through and experience great things that we wish we could have. But we're searching for peace. But Jesus said, I've told you all this so you might find peace in me. Check this out. This next passage of scripture says this. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Leave that up for just one moment. Many trials. So Jesus is like, hey, 
you'll have peace in me. And you'll also have trials and sorrows. Thanks, JC. That's awesome. Thank you for that one. That's great. And these aren't the kind of trials like, oh, my dog pooped in the kitchen while we were out, or it's humid and my hair is going crazy, said all the ladies in Orange County the last couple weeks. You're like, oh, humid at like 40%. It's 80, and it's still 70 degrees outside in July, I might add. We're talking about real trials like, I don't know if I see God in this scenario. Like, I, I want to believe, but I don't, I don't actually see him. And I, I've heard what the preacher has said, but I don't, I don't know if he's there. We're talking trials like you have a hard time getting yourself out of bed in the morning. Like, you, you're not sure if you can make it today. So he says, you'll have peace in me. And then he comes back and he says, you will also have many trials and sorrows. You don't get a whole pass on this stuff. But check out this next verse. This is my favorite passage. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Now here's the challenge, is that many people uh, you choose the first or the second half of that passage to live their life around. Some people have decided to live their life on, around the passage of you will have trials and many sorrows, and you're just waiting for the hammer to drop. Like you're just, it's always going to be bad. You're Eeyore, well, my life is horrible. And this is going to, you're just waiting. You're around every bend. Something horrible is about to happen. I can't dream. And every time I begin to dream, all I do is see the holes in the dream. And I know it's going to fail. So I'll just stop. And then there's the other half, which are just as damaging. And those are the ones that, that, that say things like, well, if you just follow Jesus, if you, just, you won't get divorced, all cancer will be healed, no problems, you will never declare bankruptcy, you will never have financial problems, you will never see recession, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It really is. Because that's not even what Jesus says. But there's something amazing that takes place when you put the two of these together. When you put the two of them together, it's like, boom, you'll find peace in me. He's saying that there is nothing that you'll go through in this life that I can't help you with. He's saying no matter what fire you face, in fact, one scripture says, fear not, because if you walk through the fire, in other words, there's going to be fire, you might walk through it, but you won't be burned. And if you walk through the water, in other words, sometimes you're going to feel overwhelmed and submerged with water pushing in and the pressure of life on every side of you. But fear not, for you will not drown. So he's saying, listen, there will be trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so many of us get hung up in something from our past or a portion of our story and we never get to the take heart part. And I believe it's important for you and I to know today that our story matters. I love what Brendan Manning, he wrote a few books. One of them is The Ragamuffin Soul, amazing, amazing book. And he said this, anyone that God uses significantly is almost always deeply wounded. And I think for some, I'm going to be honest, as a dude, when I read that, I'm like, man, I ain't wounded. And then I think about the boy sitting behind the tree getting shot by paintballs. I don't cry, just moisture accumulates, that's all. <laughs> pollen, dang pollen. But I read this quote probably 15 times. 
Anyone that God uses significantly is almost always deeply wounded. Do you know how people are deeply wounded? Because they tell you. And there's something profound that God wants to do through the wounds that we have from life. If you think about it, the Bible is a story about broken people whom God chooses to love anyways. That's the Bible is. If you ever wondered, what is this, this collection of stories? It's just a book about broken people whom God chooses to use anyways. I, I just love this. I was at a, a conference not too long ago in Ontario, and the, the guy speaking read through this, and I was like, I, I gotta just read this for you. Just if you've ever felt unqualified to be a part of what God wants to do in your life, just you are. <laughs> but yet God still chooses to work through us. Is that not amazing? Listen to this. These are great. If you're new to, to faith or to Christianity, then here's just kind of an insight on this. These are all characters from the Bible. Listen to this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham, too old. Isaac was a liar. Jacob was a schemer. Leah was just plain ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Timothy was too young. Zacchaeus was too small. Martha was a worrier. The Samaritan woman was divorced multiple times. Peter denied Christ. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus was dead. And if God can work through these people, and not only that, but put their names in a book as a reference for you and for me to know, hey, this is what's going to happen in your life and I'm still going to work through them, then your story totally matters. I don't know where you fit. There's quite a few of these that I fit into, but none of you is dead. And if God can work through these, then he can work through us. I love this passage in the message version. Romans 9, 25 says this. I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and make them beloved. Some of you need to capture that scripture, download it and save it to the screen of your phone. Some of you are finding freedom in that scripture right now. I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. Do you know as I've gone through this book, I'm going to be transparent for a moment, that is the central theme of my past. That I never feel like I'm good enough. Can anybody relate to that? Would you mind raising your hand? Me too. Me too. And yet God's promises for us today is he calls nobodies and he makes them somebodies and the unloved, and he makes them beloved. You know, when I was a kid, I was outside all the time. I was one of those kids. I, did, I don't know how to play video games because I actually had a lot. I'm, I'm sorry. I was outside. <laughs> I played real sports. And I'm just kidding, uh, but not really. I played outside, hide-and-go-seek. We would do neighborhood-wide, like, 40 kids come out, play, you know, hide-and-go-seek or whatever, capture the zombie. I don't even remember the names. I love the skate. I had a mongoose BMW. I mean, I just, anything I could do. And I'll never forget, I was a younger child, about seven or eight. That was a good season of my life. And I was on my skateboard, my Sims skateboard. And uh, I was skating down the hill of our cul-de-sac. And the front wheels caught the crack in the concrete. 
my board stopped, but inertia carried me forward. And it was so quick that my hands were like this, like a downhill skier in the Winter Olympics. So the first thing naturally to catch my body from moving was my face on the concrete. And I just blacked out. I hit my, my lip and my forehead hit at the same time. That's why I have a six head now, I believe. My lip was like, like huge, cut open. There's a scar here. And uh, when I was a kid, for like the first couple weeks, it was awesome. Like, dude, what happened? Like, right? I didn't talk like that, but it was something you know, crazy. What happened to your lip? I was skating and I fell. It was a, but as a child, it was cool. And then I started growing up, and I would have conversations with people, and I would catch them not looking at my eyes, but looking at my lip. And my scar, as, as is normal for adults, my scar became an embarrassment for me. And as soon as I could grow a mustache, which took me a long time, I was like, i got to grow a mustache. And it's such a big scar. Y'all are all going to look at my lip today when you come out. I'll show you. I'll just point to it like this. And I tried to cover it up. I wanted to cover my scar because it was an embarrassment to me. And I think as adults, we do this not just with physical scars, but emotional scars as well. You ever told that story to somebody about something from your past, and the way that they looked at you or responded afterward made you go, ooh, I'm not sure if I want to tell that story again? Yeah? It's interesting that we want to cover our our scars. Not just physical, but emotional as well. And yet, in the scripture, scars played a very important theme in the New Testament. After Jesus was crucified, buried, and risen from the dead, he appeared before the disciples, and what did he do? He showed them his scars. Like right here, that's where they pierced me. Look at my feet, that's where they drove the nails. Check that out, Peter, look at this. Jesus showed him his scars. How profound is that? It's not by accident. And I actually believe that Jesus showing his scars is proof of a couple of things. I think, listen, you got to know that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the guy who created your ability to breathe by speaking life into humanity, everything he ever did had purpose. And I believe that the reason he showed his scars to disciples showed a couple of things. Number one, it said, hey, wounds are part of the human journey. And not just physical wounds. And not just to the guilty, but even the innocent have wounds. Because Jesus was truly innocent. In fact, the scripture says that he lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death. And so he's saying, hey, scars are part of the human journey. Trials and sorrows you will have with you. But I believe the second and most important thing that this shows us is that he was healed from his wounds. Scars indicate that the wound has been healed and that wounds, listen, need to be healed. Even emotional ones. But Jesus was saying, hey, look at the scar, but I'm not hurting or bleeding here anymore. I'm not hurting or bleeding here anymore. 
And I just wonder, I wonder what scars are in your life. I wonder, I wonder what part of the story for you feels like a scar. Even if it's a scar that you're not sure people should know about. But I, I wonder if we're not supposed to offer our scars to a watching world. To say, here I am. This is my story. But more importantly, look how Jesus healed me. Look how Jesus healed me. I'm not bleeding there anymore. I once felt so assured of my lack of value as an individual. But I got around Jesus. And really, it's this thing called a community and a church. And I just began to discover that my story matters. And my value isn't in what people think of me. It's not in my poor decisions. But my value is in the fact that I'm chosen and created. Look at my scars. I made it. It hurt. But I'm still in the game. Not because I thought my way through it, felt my way through it, or was strong enough, but because Jesus is good enough. Your story matters. And I wonder what part of the watching world in your life needs to know about the scars in your life. It's amazing what God wants to do, not just in you, but through you. How many of you in this room would just by a show of hands say, you know, I've got some scars in my life. Can I see some hands? How many of you would say, I'd like God to work through those scars? Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray a prayer for all of us. Can we do that? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you are the one that defines whether or not my story matters. Not circumstances, not a, a parent, not a teacher, not a boss, not an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend, but God, you are the one that gives value. And God, I thank you that you are the one that wants to work through our stories, through the scars. Not to focus in on the fact that we have them, but to focus in on the fact that we've been healed from them. So God, today collectively, all of us in this room recognize that my story truly does matter. And we just ask that you help us to see that too. And that we can bring hope to a watching world around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Isn't this just crazy how God wants to work through just something simple like a workbook? I hope, I hope you're in a connect group. We have like a, a billion of them. If you don't have one, if you're a dude, 7.30 Saturday mornings, come and hang out. Just don't miss this because God's not finished doing something in your life or in mine. Can I get a what, what in this house? We say that because some people don't know what amen means, and that's cool too. Amen just means I agree, and the pastor is extremely good looking. Those are both equally true. But hey, some of us in this room are in a struggle for our faith journey. We're not sure where we stand with Jesus or what this thing looks like or should look like. And I can relate to that. 
Because there's been times and seasons in my life where I felt disconnected from God. And honestly, there's been times in my life where I felt like my sin was something God didn't want to be around. Like there's a gap. And the Bible actually talks about this gap and says that it's a sin gap. That everybody has sin in their life, that there's a consequence for it. It's called death and an eternity separated from God. But the Bible offers a radical solution called a gift, a free gift. God gave Jesus to humanity to live on this earth a sinless life and die a sinner's death. Paying the consequence and ransom for your sin and mine. But it takes a starting point. You have to start somewhere. It's it's not through church membership. It's not through your heritage. It's not through getting rid of your past. It's actually just starting with a simple statement to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you've never made that decision, in a moment I'm going to give you a chance. With no embarrassment. You don't have to get out of your seat. You just get to repeat that phrase after me and start a journey brand new with God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you've never prayed this prayer, I'm going to ask you to right where you're seated, you just pray it after me in your own heart. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, today's the day to come back. Why don't you let him start something new in your life and just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, God, I know you're real and that you love me. I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for Jesus and the gift that he gave. Just make this statement your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.